podcast <laughs> war right here, baby. Yeah, baby! The Flintstones versus the Jetsons. The Simpsons versus the Critic. Ally McBeal versus The Practice. Law and Order SVU versus Law and Order Criminal Intent. These are some of the greatest crossovers of all time, and they will be surpassed right now as Superhero Pantheon takes on Ben and Matt's marvelous journey. My name is Kiron Kusan. I'm the host of Superhero Pantheon. You can find me on Twitter at jkusan1985. Over the course of Superhero Pantheon podcast project, we will determine whether a film belongs in the Pantheon, the Pile of Shame, or somewhere in between. If you would like to interact with us or send feedback, you can do so in one of two ways. First, send an email to superheropantheon at gmail.com. Second, find us on Twitter at Hero Pantheon. For this episode, please make sure to leave a four or five star review on Pro Wrestling Ponderings since our feed can be found there. Also, make sure to go to Enter the Real World's feed and be sure to leave a four or five star review there, too. Doing so at both will allow both shows to grow and generate more listeners. For this special crossover episode, we will be previewing one of the most anticipated movies of the year and the one movie the MCU has spent 18 movies building toward, Avengers Infinity War. One of my co-hosts is also my superhero Pantheon co-host, Brian DeBrain. Fittingly, he can be found on Twitter at Brian DeBrain. Brian, I know that you are so excited for Avengers Infinity War that you literally cannot stand it. As we're recording this, we're a couple weeks away, and I know that you tried to resist watching the trailer for so long, and you finally sold out and did it, and now you're just a basket case. Yeah, I'm kind of obsessed. So much so that I might go back and watch Iron Man 2, just for shits and giggles, just to kind of like, oh my god, connect all the dots. Yeah, I'm super excited. One of my my personal favorite crossovers is The Critic and The Simpsons, so I'm glad you mentioned that off the bat. And yeah, it's uh, pretty cool that we're on this journey. Ten years it's taken, 18 movies. I remember being in that theater in 2008, waiting after the credits and not knowing what the hell was going to happen, and everything after that has been awesome. So it's been a wild ride, and it's kind of evolved, and I can't wait to see the next stage and evolution of the MCU because we definitely got some new characters coming. We got some old characters probably leaving and we're going to have a Deadpool on this episode. So I'm really excited. All right. We started superhero Pantheon at the beginning of 2018. In addition, Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey also started at the beginning. They have been reviewing all 18 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Now I'm going to send it to one of the co-hosts of Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. I brought him on oh so many years ago, and just like the Avengers have done to the Justice League, he's become more relevant and is way better at podcasting than me, Matt Waters. Welcome back to Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. This is a deep dive into the entire history of the MCU. There you go, that's our intro is done. My name is Matt Waters. I am joined, as always, by Ben Phillips. He is the Ben in Ben and Matt's, even though I started it. He's alphabetically first, so there he goes. Ben, how are you on our second podcast recording of the day? Don't do this to me. <laughs> I believe on this side of the Atlantic, we are also pretty G-darn excited for the Infinity Wars. Are you going to see it last out of the four of us? Yes, I will be in Germany when it comes out, and I will, the day I get back, be going to see it. I've got IMAX tickets for the first day, which is before America. Ah, unity between our countries. I believe the order in which we will see it then is Ben, me, and then Brian. So Ben, you can email spoilers and completely ruin the experience for all of us. I'm already terrified because I've got I know people going at midnight IMAX, and I have told them not to talk to me. 
for eight hours. I just tell everyone not to talk to me hours. just as a blanket rule. And I think that works in everybody's favor. All right. Now, originally what I wanted to do on this podcast is I wanted to use this as a backdoor pilot to talk about The Leftovers, but I think people would stop listening, Ben. So unfortunately, we're going to have to wait on that. But what I do want you to tell us is how did the comic book version of Infinity War go? In a completely irrelevant way to this movie. Infinity War is a sequel comic to Infinity Gauntlet, which is the comic that's actually being adapted into Infinity War. If you want to know about the Infinity War comic, Adam Warlock's in it. Adam Warlock has definitely not shown up in the MCU yet. He might show up in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. We've had him teased at the end of two movies now. The Infinity War comic is so thoroughly Jim Starlin that it's kind of hard to summarize it. So instead, we're just going to do Infinity Gauntlet, which is the actual story that we're all here for. Basically, Thanos gets a hold of the six Infinity Stones and then proceeds to completely destroy everything because he wants to impress his girlfriend, Mistress Death. That's the actual death, not some chick called death. That is the death. My boy Ben, he got that comic book history, yo. Do you know what else he has? He has a spreadsheet. I forgot to go straight into this. That's my bad. That's bad hosting. That's on me. Because we are crossing over two sets of different tastes, I think, Jerome and Brian, you guys, your opinions kind of line up pretty well. Me and Ben, we kind of agree generally. So we thought it would be really fun if we took all four of our rankings of the MCU from 1 to 18, fed them into the magic spreadsheet and uh, churned out an aggregated ranking, which Ben has done for us. Uh, He is the only one that knows how everyone voted, and Ben is now going to go through that ranking. In 18th place, our least favourite MCU movie, but by no means a bad movie, is Thor The Dark World. Not a surprise at all. I was generally surprised, because... Two of us have a different movie ranked as, l- as last, and there is only one person dragging up our number 17th place into its position at number 17, and that is Incredible Hulk with Jerome, who put it at number 14 on his list, which staggers me. I don't- mean, I'm not going to take your judgment. I think it's better. I haven't watched it in a while, but I-, I really don't like those movies, 15 through 18, basically. And it's not that I don't like them. When, you- when it comes to Marvel, I think Thor The Dark World is still better than just about everything the DCEU has done. But it looks like my Hulk rankings have kind of thrown a wrench into this whole plan to make it last. Have you been indoctrinated by Mike Thomas, who will scream from the rooftops that the first 20 minutes are really good? Because the rest of that movie is not really good. No, there is one scene in that movie that is really good. Oh, yeah, when someone gets kicked into a tree. Yeah, that's. that's, I had it number 14. It's not like I had it number 8 or number 7. Yeah, but you didn't have it at number 18, and that's. That's confusing. Anyway. At number 16, we have Iron Man 2, starting the trend that we're going to see higher up this list, that the second movies are never quite as good as the first movies, apart from one notable exception. It's a mess, and it deserves to be ranked where it is. Just watch it in the background. That's all I can say. He invents an element. (laughs) Move on. At number 15, we have Kenneth Branagh's Thor movie. That's a very fair ranking. I think it had its moments, but it definitely, it took them a while to get Thor where he needed to be. And number 14, we have Avengers Age of Ultron. <sighs> Who dragged this down? Who dragged this glorious mess down? It is Jerome. He has it in number Mine 16. Mine was somewhere in the middle. My ranking was somewhere in the middle, so that sounds about right. It's probably because I probably, fact, I think I had 11 or 12. Brian has it at 14. Wow. Okay. You so you you actually predicted it. Uh, Matt and I both have it at, well, 11 or 12. So it is Jerome dragging this one down as far as he did. 
It is a total mess of a movie, but I love so much of it that I can't be too mean to it. Number 13, we have Doctor Strange, a movie that is very visually pretty, but doesn't have much going on below the surface. Doesn't hold up either, because after the second viewing, I was like, Rachel McAdams kind of kills this movie for me. Oh, that's mean. She doesn't kill the movie. She just not doesn't have enough to do. She's not good she's, at all in this movie. She's uh, better than she is in True Detective. Oh, thank God I skipped season two. We're not going to bait me on this. <laughs> We're not going to bait me on this. Number 12, we have Ant-Man. At first, you would look at this and think it's really low, but I think it's actually appropriate because I think it's really funny, but kind of inconsequential, and the villain really isn't that great. How dare you speak ill of Darren Cross? That man has corporate evil on the mind, and he is going to get it expressed. The kind of corporate evil that you could only find in a generic MCU movie. I have this ranked the lowest of all of us. I do feel like most of that comes from the fact that I watch this and go, man, this would be so cool if Edgar Wright was directing it instead. <laughs> Take thoughts. Okay, so at number 11, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which I think is exactly why I had it ranked on my list. So did Jerome, but Brian and Matt both had it respectively higher and lower than yeah it's, it's like because if you look at last year like thor spider-man and, and this one guardians 2 they're all kind of like really good to me in that same kind of level so they end up kind of close together in my list but they're all really good in their own right so i thought last year the marvel did a really good job doing the individual movies more so than any other year i think because they were just consistent all around in this year I, th- I said to someone the movies that came out in the order they came out they got steadily better in fact i think that after civil war i think every movie that's come out of the mcu is steadily gotten better in phase three doctor strange is the weakest then guardians 2 then spider-man then thor then black panther and so we're now standing at a point where infinity war could improve on Black Panther even more. Right, this one hurts. <laughs> number 10, my number 4 pick. <laughs> oh, wow. Iron Man 3. You sons of bitches. I definitely dragged this one down. You hey. both dragged this down. 15th from two people. It is not in the bottom four movies of this franchise. <laughs> Sir Ben Kingsley is owed an apology. <laughs> I think if we were to do a crossover episode just about Iron Man 3, I think this, it would actually be the most divisive because I actively do not like Iron Man 3. And I thought when I was listening to your show on it, I thought you were both crazy. Well, we put forward a very succinct, cohesive argument. You are welcome to present a well thought out, reasonable counter argument. I think we will do that when we uh, review Iron Man 3 at some point. Talk about the same wavelength, like me and Jerome always being on the same wavelength. We had it on the same spot on the list. There you go. In the middle of the movie gets really boring. No, it doesn't. We talked about exactly this. And no, we need to move on or this will just stop. Number nine, we have the movie that should be higher than the movie that's number eight, Captain America, which is, I'm glad this has made it into the top half. It's so damn underrated. Until this year, my favorite origin movie for any single character. So much good stuff happening. While we all disagree on Iron Man 3... I think this is one, when I rewatched it and when we did it, this definitely came across even better than I think when I first saw it in theaters. I think it's aged really well in a way that a lot of these movies don't. I think this one has improved over time. Just because you start to get your hooks into that corner of the universe a lot more, that you appreciate a lot more how they built that foundation. And I think Joe Johnston is pretty underrated as a director, too. I'm not sad he hasn't come back for the two future Captain America movies because the Russo brothers have turned out to be so damn good. But Joe Johnston was like, getting him to do this movie coming off The Rocketeer, it was an inspired choice. And the little nods and references, Haley Atwell is amazing. I love the montages. I love the tone. It's just, oh God, it's, it's so good. And I'm glad that we've got it in our top half. 
it's charming and there's magic to it and people forget that. Number eight, we have Iron Man. This one actually did cause a split, quite amusingly. Matt and I both have it at the same place at number ten. You two have it both at number five. So we we are like split in the exact same way on this movie. I know Matt and I both think that it's just very slight and if we're going to rag on other movies for having a weak act three, then I think Iron Man definitely needs to be ragged on for having a weak act three in this context. I really like the first 90 minutes. I don't know really what else to say. I mean, we put this in the Pantheon because it really got the MCU started. I think the post-credit sequence is obviously something that's very notable and worth mentioning. But what this podcast has proved is that when you record with someone for a series of months, you're just going to end up being simpatico. We started this as like, hey, you know what sucks? Iron Man 1. You know what's great? Iron Man 3. And then we made a whole podcast. <laughs> I can't say we think they suck. We no, both got it in our top 10. It's the movement that it's like the best film or top 3 or anything like that. I rally against that so hard it makes me want to put it near the bottom. But it, it's it's a tremendous amount of fun and it's obviously potentially one of the most important superhero movies of all time. Yeah, and it's at the trend where like the villain is not that good. So right off the bat, that's kind of one of the legacy things we talked about in our podcast. It's just the best bad villain right off the bat and then the hero just is so overwhelming charismatic that the villain is just forgotten yes right number seven we have thor ragnarok you can see how much higher this is than the other two thor movies to show just how much of a course correction this thing was taiga waititi is great and they finally took advantage of chris hemsworth's ability as more of a comedic character obviously including the hulk really made a difference and helped and you've got jeff goldblum what more could you want from a marvel movie than this Jeff Bridges' lovely white scarf from Iron Man 1 is what more you could want. If you'd asked me, coming out of the movie theatre, the cinema, of Thor Ragnarok, what my favourite MCU film was, I probably would have told you this because it was just such a thrill ride coming out of it. It was probably the most pure, fun MCU movie I'd seen. I have since walked that down a bit as we've analysed these films and I acknowledge that it gave me such a rush watching it and just so funny and finally course-correcting one of their older franchises and, as Jerome said, unleashing the ability off Chris Hemsworth. This was like a message from Marvel saying that you can have your big heroes be funny and because they kind of had this thing where Civil War everything got dark right and everything was depressing and people were fighting each other and in this case they switched it up and they decided to go in the comedy direction for Thor because I feel like you know the, the last two they tried to do this serious tone that just doesn't work with Thor and they kind of had to have some fun with it so I think it was the right change of course like you said and it's okay to be you know laughing at these guys sometimes you know what I mean it's like you can't always take a superhero movie seriously and MCU is showing us that and this is where they just kind of let okay Okay, we know Thor can be serious. Let's just have some fun with it. And it turned out to be a, a knockout. Right, I'm going to pass number six off to Mr. Matt Waters, who is far and away the biggest fan of this movie. I assume you're talking about Spider-Man then. I am, of course, talking about Spider-Man. I'm the big Spider-Man guy that just talks about Spider-Man for nine straight hours all the time. I'm just so thrilled to be welcoming him back to Marvel. And in my opinion, they finally got it right. I know it's controversial to not fall at the feet of Sam Raimi and say, oh, how amazing is Tobey Maguire, all that. But for me, it was never quite there. There were parts of the Amazings that I liked better. There were parts I liked a lot less. But for me, it all just sort of came together with with Tom Holland and this young Spider-Man and this exciting young cast. And Michael Keaton as probably the best villain since Loki. So for me, that was kind of firing in all cylinders. And I always will hold it quite dearly. It's amazing. We recently reviewed Civil War. And even then, seeing that 
title shot when it said Queens, New York. I was still marking out two years yeah. later for that. And it's it's so great. Tom Holland is so great. And the more that I think about the first three Spider-Man movies, the less good they become. The Amazing Spider-Man movies I have completely forgotten at this point. <laughs> and at some point, we are going to do a big Spider-Man marathon and we're going to review all of them. But I cannot imagine that those movies are going to be as good as what Spider-Man Homecoming was. Yeah, it's cool to see Spider-Man as a young cat. And growing up for me, like, I didn't really read the comics. I was more of a fan of the animated series. And seeing an older Spider-Man, I kind of, you know, related to that when I saw the Sam Raimi version. But seeing this younger version, it, you can kind of tell what the original comic book character was and was supposed to be. And not necessarily like the show or the older version. So it was really cool to see that that contrast and seeing him young and being naive. And it, it's really fun that that movie. And they just, you know, that whole time, you're just smiling, I think, during that whole movie. And then that Civil War scene, I could not just help but laugh and smiled with him tony stark and hot aunt may in that, in that living room it was just incredible and so now we move on to the top five i don't think there's going to be any disagreements really here on these top five i think these have quite firmly planted themselves as the the crown jewels in the marvel cinematic universe at number five, we have Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Big change, of course, from the first Captain America movie. Uh, Russo Brothers come in, turn into a spy flick. This movie came out of nowhere and was so shockingly good and basically turned Captain America into what I think is the crown jewel of the MCU. I don't think there is a better trilogy that these guys have done outside of the Captain America trilogy, and we still have one more movie from that series on this list to come. I remember when they first casted Chris Evans to be Captain America, and I was like, why is Johnny Storm and the guy from Not Another Teen Movie being cast as this? And he was good in Captain America. He was extraordinary in Captain America Winter Soldier. He is the one that really made this movie work, and he's done a lot of good work in Civil War and the two Avengers movies, but man, I can't help but think about Chris Evans in this, in this role in this movie. And there are like two or three legitimately like really good well done action sequences particularly the mission on the boat and when nick fury is driving in dc and we first meet the winter soldier those two things really stick out in my mind and you've got robert redford in this movie as well adding a ton of credibility absolutely should be in the top five when i saw chris evans cast i thought hell yeah lucas lee is going to be captain america i love what they set up here when they it was a proof of concept that you can go outside of the safe comfortable action movie superhero genre you can do other styles of film i love a lot of the spy stuff they were doing with fury and cap and the kind of reading off his phone while saying something different because people are listening i loved all of that i wish it didn't come down to inserting three discs to win but hey yeah, other than that last kind of 20 minutes where it kind of goes weird with the CGI and the whole concept of a list where you just get a list from a robot and then you kill them. So other than that, yeah, I think it's probably one of the better scripts written in the whole series. It's got more of an adult kind of feel to it, a more, you know, the spy drama we talked about, that 70s, probably, you know, early 90s kind of Tom Clancy kind of feel to it. So really thinking outside the box, and that's what it needed, you know what I mean? Because if it was just another straight-up good guy, bad guy movie, it would have just been kind of boring, I think. But they pretty much threw in a wrench, taking out S.H.I.E.L.D., so... Yeah. Just a, a big course changer, for sure. Right, at number four, we have Guardians of the Galaxy. Probably the biggest risk that Marvel have taken. Obviously, this movie was featuring characters that no one outside of anyone who'd read a very particular brand of comic books that Marvel ever knew about. It has become the runaway hit. I think it made Chris Pratt into a star. Everyone knows who Groot and Rocket are at this point. It is a cultural phenomenon. It was the cultural phenomenon before Black Panther was the cultural phenomenon. 
the MCU movie that kind of feels like it got away from just being a regular MCU movie. Which is amazing because it has a talking tree and a talking raccoon, of course. Pretty amazing to think about. We would be excited for these movies. All the MCU movies, in their own way, have kind of their unique hooks to them. And with this one, it's like you really don't know any of these characters. Unless you are a hardcore comic book fan, you would not even conceive or think about these characters and now they are probably some of the most anticipated aspects of avengers infinity war casting the people they did definitely helped movie does not have a great villain but i think it says a lot that the villain is completely forgettable yet this movie still somehow made the top five these superhero movies got a little bit into a they got bogged down a little bit like they had some trouble finding their feet out of avengers and the success of that where for every successful part of a movie there was some sort of drama happening behind the scenes they were getting very serious and everything and then in comes guardians it's just fun and just people that don't give a shit about ongoing continuity and shared universes just went and saw that movie and had fun a similar thing happened with deadpool where it's just every now and then you need something like this that's just fun and refreshing and people that don't care about the continuity want to go see i think this is the most visually stunning marvel movie like the fact that they didn't mute the colors and they were bright and vibrant and like you don't see that much in space movies where maybe like a fifth element kind of style of movie but they just even brighten the colors up even more and the way that uh, that they actually painted the body color and everything and then you mix that up with the, the CGI and it just it meshed really well and then you had some of like practical sets I love the first five minutes are just gut-wrenching man it really sets the tone you really immediately start connecting with the Chris Pratt's character Star-Lord right off the bat seeing his mom die like that and then being taken away that whole five minutes has got to be so traumatizing for a kid going off for there it's just, it's just an adventure you know it's a space opera and we really haven't had that in the MCU up until that point like we did have like the space stuff in Avengers but they fully went all out with it and it's just an amazing ride from start to finish, and it's so successful that they made its own ride at Disneyland and all kinds of stuff. So it's it's a it's a really cool thing to see people. I didn't even know who Groot was. No one knew who Groot or Rocket Raccoon were, and now all of a sudden there's these pop culture icons and they're collectibles now and little toys and stuff. Do you know who didn't find those first five minutes really traumatizing? Ben Phillips. You walked in and Starla was just dancing around. You had no idea about the dead mom, did you? That is what happened the first time I saw this movie, is I did not know that his mom died of cancer. Well, to be fair, it's a surprising gut punch to be the first thing that happens in the damn movie. It was a surprising gut punch when a woman who's very bald shows up at the very end of the movie, and I had no fucking clue who she was. (laughs) I just want to point out that Disney has a new streaming service coming out in the fall of 2019, I think. I want a series that covers Star-Lord's family's reaction to Star-Lord being taken away and uh, like turn it into like a true crime like what happened to this kid <laughs> and uh, develop it over five seasons and I think you got you can make yourself a lot of money with that yep so uh, number three the movie that I think is the most visually stunning movie in the MCU we've got Black Panther the movie we spent two and a half hours talking about earlier on today I've made the statement that I think this is the best standalone movie that Marvel have done I had it at number three I think it has got every potential to move up higher in my rankings i think there are other movies that play off better in terms of where they fall within this franchise and i've got them pretty much the same position that they are above this movie but black panther is the movie that i would show people for a first time viewer of the mcu to show them what this franchise is and what it can be it looks so damn good the cast is so excellent this one is a special special movie i could absolutely see this being my number one at some points I don't want to put it number one just because of recency bias, but I actually had it at number two for all the reasons that you mentioned. You had a really great villain. You had a really good act three, which 
are two things that Marvel sometimes has a lot of difficulty with. There's just so many great characters. I, and in particular, something else that Marvel gets criticized for is not writing their female characters well. If we were to look at the Thor franchise and even Doctor Strange, female characters are not written that well. But in this movie, you have three or four really excellent female characters that have depth and pathos to them. Just a spectacular movie all around and certainly could be number one if you ask me this question even maybe a year from now my number one for sure for me it's like uh the emotional tone and connection like you get by the end of the movie you're just so emotionally connected to this movie i feel that it's just i didn't get that feeling when i rewatched avengers recently and i just feel like i got more emotionally connected with this movie than any other movies of the mcu wakanda forever our episode on this is dropping uh next in the feed so and i just talked about it for two and a half hours but i mean you guys nailed it all it's great letitia wright for president of our country because she's british we don't have a president Matthew. yeah i know but we will by the time you know this is all said right. and done in a shocking turn of events we have a tie for number one we have both marvel's avengers assemble and captain america civil war marvel's avengers assemble is just there'd been nothing like it ever it, if you had said that they were going to do this movie ahead of time it would have been like that will never work and look what proved it the justice league that they put in the work of putting in those out those solo movies that they got a at the time we would have called that a big cast together for it and then it just joss whedon just does his victory lap and, and it's all just so so well done so many little character moments so much good action and so 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 much money in the pockets of the mickey mouse corporation absolutely and the one thing that i want to say is when it comes to this particular movie when we discussed it i called this movie a miracle i think avengers infinity war might be even more so of a miracle but just getting this cast together this had never been done before i still think this is the best script that marvel has ever had as far as dialogue the tightness of it i think all three acts are very good in their own ways just absolutely tremendous and it's amazing to me this ended up in a tie this was actually number three on my list (gasps) but i would certainly say that this is a miracle and as far as importance goes it might be the most important movie because this is the first one officially under the disney umbrella and this is also uh the movie that i think turned marvel from just a another successful studio into being a fully realized event and every movie since then has felt like an event because of the Avengers. It grew the audience, too. It was the first to get the $600 million domestically in the MCU, and, like, it had this casual audience that it grew, it grew and, and kind of, like... I was talking about this movie with people at my work, and they weren't even Marvel fans or comic book fans, but they were just like, man, that Avengers movie was really entertaining. I went and saw it again. And I was like, what? Again? And they're like, they just love that movie. Like, it just kind of transcends, and it goes... It fits with the casual audience, too, and it just worked. And it's, it's funny, and you, you still jump out of your seat sometimes, like, rooting for some of those moments. I still pop her low-key getting fucking smashed. I had Avengers as my number one. I think it is the greatest achievement that they have done for Marvel so far. As I said, like, there are two movies, I think, that play entirely off of what came before, and they are Avengers and, Aven- and Captain America Civil War. Um, both in very different ways. I feel Avengers is probably a bit more standalone, whereas Civil War relies heavily on knowledge of at least five six previous movies but avengers the fact it the fact it works the fact it's as good as it is the fact that the movie basically ends about two hours in and then they just spend three hours going like we're gonna just throw cgi 
victory lap at you and you're just going to sit there and smile as you get to see all these characters that you've been dreaming about interacting interacting on the screen for the first time the thor and hulk stuff the loki and hulk stuff god it's just everything about it is joyous and the act three of that movie is only really rivaled by the joy you feel during the airplane fight in civil war which is probably the greatest 20 minutes worth of superhero filmmaking that's ever been put to screen man civil war was number one on my list and it was really only in rewatching it that i really fully felt comfortable putting it at number one the airplane fight is great but the ending fight between captain america iron man and the Winter Soldier, that that is actually better from an emotional standpoint. It pays off so much of what had been going on in the previous movies. You've got Daniel Brühl playing a great role in this movie as Zemo. I mean, just everything about this clicks. And even though this movie could have gotten very obnoxious, this really ultimately came down to being just about Iron Man and Captain America with Black Panther and Spider-Man being sprinkled in and having their stories told. Civil War is so important, both for the fact that it was about these two characters that we've grown to see and for what it set up in the future, because this movie really positioned Black Panther's origin very well, and it made you excited about Spider-Man again. Can you imagine telling somebody that they would be excited for Spider-Man before seeing this? Because I sure as hell can't, especially after the disaster that was Amazing Spider-Man 2. It's what they've been making this shared universe for, and it's proof of what you can do with it. Obviously, the Avengers, that huge blockbuster flick, that was going to be good whether you'd had movies before it or not. This, as Ben said, relies so heavily on everything they've been doing, and they're playing on beats that have been in there from almost day one. This rivalry between Cap and Tony has been there from the moment they met, and we've seen it evolve, and we've seen Tony's evolution through all these films, and it all comes together, and the last sort of half hour, the emotion you get from Tony's finding out about uh, his parents' death and his confrontation with Cap, I challenge people to find a more emotional sort of final act of a superhero movie because I know to a lot of people that like Infinity War is what they've been building towards, but for me, this was the proof of what you can do with a shared universe, that you can get people to come out for all these movies and you can have it all pay off in a dramatic storyline. Yeah, this is definitely the Empire Strikes Back of the MCU. It's dark. The heroes are not really acting heroic. You know what I mean? It's very much a personal interest kind of story. Cap's in there trying to save his best friend. His best friend is going through some mental crisis right now because he can't remember shit from killing people in the past. And now he's being blamed for a murder that he didn't do. There's a lot of bad shit going on. And it's just kind of dark by the end because everyone's broken apart. War Machine is going to... He's going to have to confront Falcon at some point because that's going to be a really interesting, awkward conversation between the two that I think we deserve as an audience. And it's definitely got that Empire Strikes Back feel to it. There we go. That's all 18 of our movies ranked. That's a good exercise and where we're all at, I think. And I think it makes a lot of sense for us to discuss this because I think it's good to see where we're all at. And the fact that you guys are wrong about Iron Man 3 is A-OK with me because ultimately what this means is that MCU really has never made a bad movie. Even though Thor The Dark World is the closest that comes to being bad, I would say, it's pretty amazing to think that I would say all 18 of the MCU movies are at least watchable. Yeah, I don't think I would give a single one of these movies less than like a 6 out of 10 three stars. None of them are bad. I would want to watch some of them less, but I think all of them have redeeming features like Incredible Hulk does have that first 20 minutes. I probably would turn it off after those first 20 minutes, but... Well, what about getting kicked into a tree, Ben? I mean, I can watch that as a gif on YouTube. I mean, like, Thor The Dark World has, has Tom Hiddleston as Loki, who, I mean, we definitely fought for a while about whether or not 
we would have Tom Hiddleston for Thor Avengers or Thor The Dark World for his best performance because Tom Hiddleston is always great in these movies. Scene in the cell when he's reacting to Frigga's death is a, a very bright spot in a very dark movie. Alright, so what we have done is we have talked about the first 18 movies in the MCU. Now I think it's time for us to actually preview the 19th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, that is Avengers Infinity War. Guys, I hope you are packing a lunch because this is going to be the longest Marvel movie to date at 156 minutes. It will be nine minutes and about 50 characters more than Civil War. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. I'm waiting for the money shot where they just have everyone in the shot and then you see Paul Rudd just standing there like, what the fuck am I doing in this? How did I get here? Kind of look in his face. I don't think we're getting everyone on screen at one point in this movie at all. I think this movie is going to be something that none of us know what it's going to be. And I can't wait (laughs) to find out what they're hiding from us because I think they're hiding something massive. I agree. I think that it's, it's pretty clear that from the teases, this is going to be much more of a Thanos movie than an Avengers movie from everything that's been said. And Thor is also going to be a big part of this movie, which will atone for the fact that he was only in Avengers Age of Ultron for 15 minutes. Yes, they did a tremendous job of balancing everyone in Marvel's Avengers Assemble, but kind of slipped up a bit on the sequel, Age of Ultron. And then with Civil War, they kind of they found the best way to do this is to focus in on a key couple and then have everyone else play a smaller role rather than going out of your way to balance everyone and be like, now we have to give this person some time. Now we have to give this person some time. If you can just identify the core narrative through points and then group people together sensibly, it works much better. And I think it's looking like that Thanos is the main character. That's very cool if that's the case. It looks like we're going to have a little team of Tony, Doctor Strange, uh, Spider-Man, Star-Lord, and and then we're going to have Cap and his little group in Wakanda, and then Thor, Rocket, and Groot are going to be somewhere else all together. So I'm very excited. I I get This is a massive question mark for me. I have no clue what this movie is going to be like because they've shown you a few of these big action scenes, but unless these are each going to take like an hour each, what the hell is happening for the rest of this movie? (laughs) Yeah, and obviously this is going to mark the 10th anniversary of Marvel Studios. It is coming out April 27th, 2018. Originally it was supposed to come out a week later, and this has ruined both of our podcast schedules. Yup. I mean, we always had it on the, the 26th, 27th, so it only ruined it in that we were going to try and get Infinity War recorded before it came out in the US, but now we physically can't do that. Yeah, we were going to have that nice cushion where we could see it, think on it, record it, have lots of time to edit it, and then it was like, yeah, it's coming out worldwide. And I was thinking, I, I don't think I can edit a podcast and upload it in three hours, and also, I'm going to Germany. <laughs> so uh, we're still going to release our episode on that original date of May 4th. I guess we'll be a week late, but hey. USA! USA! Robert Downey Jr. and Twitter ruined it for everyone, I guess. I have to ask one thing. What the fuck do we think Hawkeye's doing in this movie? He's obviously got to be doing something important since he's the secret image that if you put all of the Avengers posters together, you see him. Unless they're telling you he's going to die. I don't think he's going to die. We have the fact that the Vanity Fair photo shoot, he's in that... As is Linda Cardellini, who came in for that shoot. And so you sure as shit don't get Linda Cardellini in for a photo shoot unless she's going to be doing something in the near future of your franchise. I think she's listed in the cast somewhere. She's not on the big poster. Peter Dinklage is on that big poster. Jeremy Renner is not. Mm. What if the climax of the movie is Thanos invading the farm? (gasps) No! My only theory is they are hiding one character from us in this movie who I have relatively solid reasoning to believe is in this movie and that they are lying to us flat out that she is not. She? 
Yes, she. I have fairly solid reason to believe that Captain Marvel is in this movie and that we might be getting some kind of we have to go wake her up plotline that will lead into Captain Marvel next year. Because that movie is set in the 90s and I can't imagine that they're going to have an aged up 30 year different Brie Larson in Infinity War Part 2. That's true. Ooh. Uh, is this going to be during the movie, or do you think this is a post-credit sequence? I don't know if it's post-credit or anything like that. All I all I know is that I just have this very strong gut feeling based on stuff that I have seen that Captain Marvel is in this movie. Here's I, what's up. One of Hawkeye's kids has the Infinity Gem. that They just play with it. It's just one of their toys, and they don't know it. And then Ultron arrives at the farm, and just carnage. Not Woody Harrelson from the future Venom movie. Yes, Woody Harrelson from that movie is gonna... No, I, if they step foot on that farm, I'm walking out of that theatre. I will not allow it. <laughs> Brian has a theory about the final Infinity Stone, and I think this is something that is commonly believed by a lot of people. Okay, it even ties back to Age of Ultron, right? So when Ultron's going on one of his rants, he talks about how humans only scratched the surface, right? And he's talking about when the, the humans used it to make the, the vibranium, they used it to make the Captain American shield, right? In uh, Black Panther, Claw mentions that the Wakandans have only scratched the surface of it. And it's a giant meteor. And they've never even got to the center of it yet. And I think it would make sense that the center of the meteor is a soul stone because also we were looking at the soul of his dead father, right? We were He's able to talk to the, the, the dead souls of his people. and you know, So I think there's the soul stone buried somewhere in the middle. And I think that's how Wakandans can talk to the dead people who're taking that whatever drug that they take. And I think that drug or that plant has, you know, a connection to the Soul Stone within the middle of the meteor. It would explain the heart-shaped herb. It would explain why vibranium is a seemingly magical metal that can just completely change consistency and all the insane technology they've invented with just this metal. I would think that, you know, the the prologue in Black Panther when you see that meteor coming down, I would be almost a hundred percent certain that that is the Soul Stone crashing to Earth and that. Like, its power has seeped into the soil and then you get vibranium and you get heart-shaped herb growing and all that and it would make sense why thanos is attacking wakanda so yeah i can't imagine there's any other reason for thanos to be attacking wakanda if the soul stone isn't there unless they are hiding vision there or they take an infinity zone to wakanda because it's safer i can't think of any other reason why they would be doing so much in the movie there I am sad that my theory that the Soul Stone was inside Thor's hammer was disproved during Ragnarok. Yes, um, because but... they're, they're cutely, intentionally or not, spelling out the word Thanos with what all the objects are. And the only one missing would be an H. So hammer was a common one. I heard Heimdall explaining his powers and why he's got orange eyes. And then heart-shaped herb would fit that very well. But yeah, if you take all the objects that the Infinity Gems have been inside of, they, they spell out Thanos. I think we've done a good job of kind of reviewing the key points, talking about Thanos, talking about the final Infinity Stone. One of the segments that we do on Superhero Pantheon is burning questions. I have six burning questions here. Matt contributed one of them, yeah. and we are going to review them. And I'm going to give it, we'll take turns seeing who goes first. First question, I'm going to go to Ben Phillips first. What is the one character pairing we've never seen before in a previous film that you want to see in this one? Shuri and Tony Stark. Like, we've had science bros in Avengers, and so I just want Tony Stark to be laughed out the room by what Shuri's been inventing. I don't think we're going to get it, because I've not seen anything of Tony Stark being in Wakanda, but that that is the one pairing that I really, really, really want. 
I think a common theory is that Tony is going to not survive these two movies, and while I'd be in favour of that as a conclusion to his ongoing journey, I desperately want to see Tony try and boast about all of his tech, I mean, for sure he'd be like, that's cute, so I kind of want him to survive so we can get to that point. You guys stole my pick, man! I've been talking about this since the movie, like, since I saw that moment, since I saw her lab, I was like, she's Tony Stark. She's the Tony Stark of this movie, and we need Tony Stark to be with her in a scene and just geek out over shit. I want two minutes of them geeking out over this, this, and that, comparing stuff, and then just be like, okay. I don't know. I want Shuri to be like the next Iron Man. I think they did that in the comics. I think that would be perfect, but I don't know. I really love her character, man. And those two are just so similar in terms of like their scientific creativity and their wit, and I think it would just be perfect. And you guys stole my pick, but... I like the idea that she's more advanced than him because I don't know what age she's meant to be, but certainly younger than him. You know, his ego being like, look at all this shit only I could have invented. And I like the idea that she has got better stuff than him and it being a big ego blow for him. What about, and this has been some speculation that I've seen online, and I'm going to give some other character pairings since it's boring to just be all in agreement. But what about Fury possibly becoming Ironheart? I think you mix it up and then, I don't know if you give her a solo, solo movie, but because of the success of Black Panther, maybe you can do like an all-female lead and she's maybe the leader or something, I don't know. But I, I would love that, totally. Brian, there's already a solo movie and it's coming out two and a half or three weeks after The Avengers. For who? Solo, a Star Wars story? God <laughs> Ben, any thoughts on Shuri becoming Ironheart? Shuri's in that complicated place where she becomes the Black Panther in the comic books once T'Challa kind of moves on to being the Guardian of the Dead. And then Ironheart obviously has a lot of complications from people complaining that Riri Williams came along and kind of like took over for Iron Man so it's one of those things where I want characters like Shuri to become the heroes that people look up to but I also kind of do want them to also forge on their new their own identities aside from anyone else I think Ironheart is a good choice but I do think there would be a lot of kickback and obviously, like, I don't care that there's kickback because the people who are going to kick back are the worst kind of people. But I can see Marvel not wanting to get involved in the controversy of, hey, look, Iron Man's dead and now we've got black female Iron Man. And I don't think Marvel are one to stoke the fires of controversy in that particular way. I don't think we're necessarily going to get it in this movie, but I would love to see Hulk interact with any of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think you could have some genuinely hilarious interactions between any of them. Drax and Hulk would probably be pretty fun. I'd like to see Gamora and Valkyrie or Gamora and Black Widow, any combination of that, like these kick-ass females like, being like, yeah, respect. There was a very funny Tumblr post going around, which is basically Thor interacting with anyone that he hasn't met since the events of Thor Ragnarok. It would be quite amusing, just like him meeting Spider-Man for the first time, and T'Challa and <laughs> Who is this Star boy Wars. on the team? Why is there a small child on the team? Why is there a man dressed like a cat? I'm very much looking forward to everyone meeting Thor again, because, I mean, dude, what happened? Your hair, your eye, your hammer? What what the fuck has happened? I know that, you know... You're we... not talking like Shakespeare anymore? Yeah. Also, just... my dad died. And my sister I didn't know I had. And my planet blew up. But no, really, how's your day been? There needs to be a scene that, and if it's not, then that's going to be very disappointing. <laughs> Let's go to question number two. Matt, I'm going to go to you first on this one. How important is it for the MCU's legacy for this to be actually good? In theory, we have here a decade of build-up. We've had Thanos teased since Avengers, and we've had Thanos teased a lot. Like, he's been in a couple of post credit scenes, he's been in Guardians, like, he's been pulling the strings. All this build-up. I think Thanos needs to be actually good 
more than the movie needs to be actually good because Marvel have a villain problem generally and now they're really, really, really heavily promoting one and building to one, so he needs to be really good. I think the film itself, it doesn't really matter at this point because obviously this isn't going to be the end of the MCU. I know several characters probably aren't going to appear after these two Avengers movies, whether they're dead or they're just sort of, you know, they just go off to live on a farm happily ever after. We're going to get so many new franchises. They, they claim to have 20 unannounced movies that they're waiting to to spring on us and I know for a lot of people that's like superhero overload and they kind of want this to be the end but it's not going to be and we're going to get new fresh faces and stuff so for me I'm just intrigued about how they they juggle it all more than like if it comes out and it's not what we're all hoping that's fine because it just is going to keep moving on there's movies coming out in the next year that I'm excited about I'm really intrigued about Ant-Man and the Wasp I really want to see Captain Marvel so obviously it'd be very very nice if this was a really really good movie but I think the idea that this has to deliver it, it doesn't hold weight for me what about you Brian I have faith in the Russos a lot because I mean it's obvious that they have a love and passion for the Marvel universe and they I mean in Winter Soldier man they knew what tone to set and then they knew what tone to set again Civil War. I just trust their judgment, and I feel like they get it more than probably a lot more of the directors than have in the past. Maybe Ryan Coogler gets it a little more, obviously, because uh, it's kind of like a different cultural thing. But I think in terms of like the characters and the comic book history and all that stuff, the Russos kind of have it down, and I trust them to do it right. And you know, even if it doesn't live up to expectations, I think the money will just still be there. I think if the movie's not good at all, I think there's going to be a big drop off. So. I'm expecting that to not happen because by the way everything's looking, it, it seems like they're giving us what we want and sometimes give the audience what they want and you know, they'll pay the money and you know all the fanboys will come out and all the fangirls will come out. So um, I'm really intrigued. I didn't even know that they had 20 movies unannounced ready to go. So that gives me a lot of hope and faith because I was worried that after probably this stage of the, the Marvel MCU, we would already hear about the word reboot and stuff like that. And I don't want to hear that word for a long time, at least 20 years, if you're telling me that there's 20 movies lined up. Because I've, I've been just thinking about this for a long time. What happens when Cap dies? What happens when Iron Man dies? I mean, they're going to replace him with some of the newer ones, but are they going to be as over? And luckily, Black Panther got really over. So um, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a bright future ahead. And, you know, it's going to be nice to have some new characters around. And it's good that we're going to have no more Cap and Iron Man and all that kind of thing, because I think it's the idea of once you go away, they're going to love you even more and then eventually they'll you know they're probably going to remake these movies again 40 50 years from now maybe but until then it's probably a good thing to kind of put them on ice or back on ice so to speak ah i see what you did there ben is the most in tune with the comic books how important do you think this is for mc's legacy to be good the legacy i don't think it is important because this franchise has had so many slam dunks i don't think you can denigrate how important Black Panther is, how good Winter Soldier and Civil War are, how amazing Avengers the first one was. Do I think for the future this movie being good is important? Yes. Hell yes. Uh, I don't know whether or not, if this movie sucks, whether or not there's any excitement for the Avengers movie next year. That's the most crucial point, is that like we don't know what's happening in this movie, we don't know anything at all about what's happening in the movie next year, and if this movie is just slowly deflating balloon i can see them kind of like shuffling the avengers off as a franchise away for a little while until they can figure their shit out and they just pivot even harder into black panther than it feels like they're pivoting into i don't think it is going to be bad because they're promoting the hell out of this movie and if the solo ad campaign is anything to go on disney are more than willing to pretty much shelf a movie they don't think is going to do that well at the box office so i don't think it will be but i do think that for the future of seeing these team ups happen i think it's very important that this one is actually good i agree with a lot of what you guys had to say about this movie i think it is important for it to be good 
for the immediate future, but given the quality of the MCU, given what Black Panther has already done this year, I don't think it's going to ruin anything if it's not as great as we all are hoping it is going to be. Let's go to question number three. Brian, I'm going to you first. This serves as a bit of a sequel to Black Panther in that Wakanda is prominently featured, and I'm actually surprised that more of the marketing has not focused on this. But I'm curious to know, do you think this movie is going to make more worldwide box office than Black Panther? It's going to be the same, I think, because with this new audience that Black Panther's drawn in, I think it's going to be the same amount of money kind of going worldwide, I think. Because I think domestically it's going to be probably the same as Black Panther. I think it's going to be the same, because I think it's just... Black Panther is, is a monster right now, and I think... I don't know, I think Infinity War will just equal it. I don't know, I don't see it. It's going to be tough. It's so much money already that's been made. So I'm not sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that maybe it'll make more. Kind of fifty fifty on it. Ben. So domestically, I don't think this movie is gonna make as much money as Black Panther. I think Black Panther has got into an, an audience's skin far more than anything we've seen previously from the MCU. It's already the top three highest grossing movies domestically all time. Uh, only behind at this point Avatar and Star Wars: The Force Awakens worldwide. That's a completely different question. Black Panther's had softer numbers than previous MCU movies worldwide, whereas Avengers has always been a complete monster in the rest of the world. The Black Panther thing is currently 100 million behind the first Avengers movie it has to beat. It's 200 behind Avengers Assemble. So if Avengers Infinity War does better than the first two Avengers movies, then worldwide it's going to make more money than Black Panther. But the number that Black Panther has pulled domestically is going to be a very tough one for it to beat. Thank you for using actual numbers. And when you say domestically, you are saying United States, right? I am saying United States. That is still the terminology in the UK, believe it or not. Because I think even China, a Chinese movie, is still domestic when you refer to those numbers. It's weird. I think it is a case of domestic versus worldwide because the numbers that Black Panther has done domestically in the United States of America are pretty untouchable, pretty unfuckwithable because it appealed to an entire segment of audience that don't give a shit about superhero movies that, that just wanted to see a movie that represents black people in a positive manner and and a feel-good movie that has a predominantly black cast like that that's such a juggernaut worldwide as ben said it, it hasn't been as successful uh, versus some of the other ones and yeah i, I think this is going to outgross it worldwide for sure let's go to question number four i have a feeling i know what the answer is so let me just see if anybody disagrees here which character would you like to see get the most screen time i would say thanos is number one by far does anyone disagree I'm kind of in agreement there because he's kind of like the main focus of the film and he's kind of been like this uh, mythic figure, right? We hardly see him. We only see him in a few scenes here and there. So there's this high expectation to him. So I think they kind of have to over, not over deliver, but deliver on a high note with this guy because they've been building him up for, for what, 2012? So six years now. And it's just like, you better live up to the hype. I want Thanos to be, get the most screen time, but I also want them to delve into his relationships with other characters. We have that tease in the trailer of him interacting with Gamora as a child. Nebula's in this movie. I want to see that dynamic actually play out more than just these two characters posing in front of his throne in Guardians of the Galaxy. I want to see Loki actually interacting with Thanos. I want to see... This is, like, the important crux of this movie is... We've only seen Thanos in three movies at this point. There are people in the street who know his name who have never picked up a comic book, and that's astounding. And the most important thing they need to do is make him a character, and the best way to make him a character is to have him interacting with the characters that we know and love from previous movies. I think back to the the scene at the end of The Avengers where he turns and smiles, and I think about how many people would have been like, huh? 
And now it's Thanos. Everyone knows who Thanos is, as you said. And I didn't know it was what I wanted to hear until I heard it when the Russos said that in a lot of ways Thanos is the main character of this movie because they have this history of underbaked villains who have to defer screen time to the heroes and they're setting up the origin of the world and all this stuff. And we have so many characters here that not everyone has seen every movie, but with a cast this size, you've got to have seen some of these. So they don't need to spend a great deal of time on sort of saying, here's who this person is, or here's a quick refresher on Groot's whole deal. You just need to give Thanos as much time as you need to tell his story. And I don't know if they've fully confirmed, but while it's no longer an Infinity War Part 1, Part 2 deal, I think the phrasing they're using is that this film and the next Avengers film have two different stories that complement each other and are about Thanos and the Infinity Stones. So for me, they can spend this whole damn movie on Thanos if they want to set up the big fights in the second one. And as Ben said, I want to see all these interactions with all these characters. And Drax, they sort of changed his origin to make it more tied into Ronin, but then he ends that movie saying, of course, Thanos is the one I must really kill and in the comics that's a huge rivalry so he would be another one that I would want to see take him on and him matching wits with Tony and, and going fist versus fist with uh, with Captain America and all that That is a good transition Matt, thank you for giving that to one to me because we are now going to ask the question, what will the name of the fourth Avengers film be based on the events of this film? It's fitting that in the UK it is referred to as Marvel's Avengers Assemble, correct? Because <laughs> of the confusion with the UK series? Yes, that's why we've obnoxiously been saying Marvel's Avengers Assemble every time we, uh, we mention it. Yeah, Disassembled would be a potential title. That's the one I was going to predict. I predict it's going to be Avengers Disassemble. I'm going New Avengers. I mean, the, the thing is, is they haven't revealed this title for a reason, and that makes me feel like it's a massive spoiler. So... I've had three theories floating around for a while, one of which is entirely stupid and is entirely dependent on whether or not they go full on into the Captain Marvel tie and stuff. And that's Avengers Secret Invasion, which would be pretty mind blowing. And I think it would be very difficult for them to do. But based on the fact that we're getting scrolls in Captain Marvel and the fact that she's going to have been off the screen for 30 years, her being in like a Spider-Woman type capacity of being like, there's this invasion happening that we didn't know about would be pretty mental. You've got 30 seconds to explain what Secret Invasion is. Secret Invasion is the comic book series in which it turns out that the Skrulls have been secretly invading Earth for years and years and years, secretly replacing heroes with Skrulls, and basically uh, to launch this massive invasion. I don't know whether or not it will be explicitly Skrulls, or whether or not it will be something that Thanos puts in motion, and it turns out that some of our heroes are actually sleeper agents for Thanos, but I think it would be a pretty ballsy way to end the first movie in, in this two-parter to have it be, oh look, this person who we've been fighting next to for, for six years is actually working for Thanos the entire time. Correct me if I'm wrong, Barack Obama is revealed as a Skrull sleeper agent in that story. Oh, God, it's been a while since I read. I'll just save you some time. Yes, he is. There is a screen okay. in which he is. That one, I think, would require a lot of moving parts. Like, this is a huge story to do in this movie, even with it being so long. And Secret Invasion is such a big story as well that I don't know how well that will tie together because they film these two things at the same time. So they are pretty explicitly directly tied in. I think what you suggest in that pivoting away from the scrolls and maybe making it more tied into Thanos would work. But for me, I, I don't know if it's a great title. It's just, like Ben said, they 
are deliberately not revealing this title and I think part of bringing the release date forward is that I assume that this movie will end with the Avengers will return in and then say the title and they don't want that title out on the internet for a week before America gets it. So for me I was just thinking about things that could just explicitly be a spoiler and Secret Invasion would certainly qualify but the only thing that really came to mind is there's this persistent rumour that the, the fourth film will make use of the time stone to revisit some key moments in the history of these characters there some shots have leaked of the characters basically recreating the final scene from avengers one in their costumes but characters like dr strange are there as well so with that in mind i would maybe go with something like time runs out which is a pretty prominent storyline that has recurred in the last few years involving the avengers but i could be completely off base with that that could just be one sort of dr strange is just briefly traveling through like their memories or something but for me i'm just focusing in on the spoiler aspect and they're also keeping these 20 unannounced movies close to their chest as well so i think once this movie comes out by the end of it a lot of stuff will fall into place and their future plans will be more clear I mean, it's pretty crazy that Doctor Strange, which made, I think, $600, $700 million at the box office, does not even have a sequel announced. And I think it's something they're working on. But that just shows you how close to the vest they are keeping everything. And do you guys think it's possible? I'm going to go to you first, Brian. Do you think it's possible that we see a teaser trailer for the fourth Avengers film to end this movie even as a post-credit thing. Anytime you do a back-to-back, they film two movies back-to-back. They did it with The Matrix, Back to the Future. They always do that teaser trailer at the end, and I think that'd be the perfect thing to do. For me, I think, going back to Secret Wars really quick, I think that's going to be tough because it's going to be inconsistent with the way that the characters have been acting up until this point, right? Up until we notice a character kind of acting a little strange, that's the only thing that I think will be the clue. But if the characters are going to be consistent, it's going to be like, okay, this guy's been mailing this whole time, yet he's been acting like a hero that we know and love, and it doesn't it doesn't seem to be consistent enough. I think some of them were in some way unaware that like they were sleeper agents like they didn't fully some of them had like gotten so into the persona that they'd almost like fully become it or you know thanos is playing a higher game who knows what he's after like they, they don't necessarily have to be doing evil things they could just be subtly pushing events in a certain way i am really hoping that the secret invasion is not what they're doing just because that is going to be so difficult to pull off and it just seems to me like that is just going to be very cumbersome to try to do in in this two and a half hour Rovane, you figure Avengers 4 is either going to be as long, maybe a little bit even longer. Man, that's going to be tough. It's an intriguing idea for sure, but that's going to be difficult to pull off on screen. But it's a, it's a very interesting idea. The only reason I bring that up is purely because they managed to make Civil War, which is an incredibly hard concept to deliver on, and they managed to do it really well in Captain America, and they managed to cut out all the stuff that's bad about that story in the comic books, which is why I'm kind of feeling that if they did Secret invasion it would be very much like a this is the core concept but it's an mcuified version of that core concept all right as this question has contributed by matt so i'm going to go to you first matt what new or returning characters do you expect to see well obviously the entire fantastic four every x-man deadpool is up no uh, that deal is not going to go through in time uh, we, we all had our brief thing of when we saw that this deal was starting to go through maybe they'll get a cameo shot just in time to have the fantastic four show up at the end and then that's phase four fantastic four but i doubt that is happening captain marvel you know obviously not officially confirmed i think the russos have even tried to say no she's not in the movie anymore she would have been at one point i think she's definitely showing up 
I don't know. It, it's very difficult because you've got so many characters at play here that I think introducing too many new ones is going to be difficult. I think on who's still in play that we haven't seen for a while. And I don't know, there, there's definitely some people. I know that Helmet Zero survives the events of Civil War and his whole thing was tearing the Avengers apart and he succeeded because they are fractured. So I think it might be fun to see him in a very brief cameo sort of commenting on what happened to them and stuff like that. Part of me wants Coulson to come back and be revealed as alive as he has been on his TV show. But I think them putting him in the 90s set Captain Marvel achieves that nicely because I thought you know if this is some massive like we're building towards this and it's a big celebration and possibly a farewell it would be nice to have him come back but it probably creates more problems than it needs to so even though I pose this question I don't actually really have a very good answer. Brian do you have anyone you'd like to see show up or anyone that you'd like to see come back? Well I kind of push for Red Skull in our Captain America podcast because I don't think he's officially dead but I do know that Hugo Weaving does not want to play Red Skull anymore so that's probably going to get in the way of that but I think him coming back and kind of like surprising Captain America would have this big throwback field kind of moment like holy shit he's all the way back from the first movie and it's been like nine years or whatever eight years since that movie and like Red Skull coming back and just shocking everyone I think would just put a like a big shock on everyone's face I mean he touched the Tesseract and then vanished into space he could very well have ended up in the employee of Thanos somehow and Hugo Weaving doesn't want to come back but heavy prosthetic it's a very stereotypical German accent I think you could quietly replace him or you know stranger things have happened I think he has vaguely softened on that stance and there was talk of having him revealed to still be around in some of the early drafts of Civil War that he was going to be the villain until they you know, they turned it into a, the actual Civil War story it became but yeah that would be a very good one for sure I'm almost wondering about Nick Fury because we have not seen him in quite some time in the MCU. So much of that has been because a lot of the movies have been in the kind of the cosmic part of the universe. And that's someone who I am very curious to see. He's either going to be in this one or definitely he's going to be in the next one. One of the reasons that the Russos mentioned Ms. Marvel not being in this movie, I'm almost wondering if it's kind of a trick where that's why she's going to be in a post credit sequence mm. because then she's technically not not in the movie. <laughs> and Ben, anyone, any returning characters you want to see or any new characters? Haley Atwell. Always. That is always, always the answer to any question about this. Yeah. She got shafted in the Civil War by not actually getting to appear. Whenever she gets to come back, even if it is Thanos raises the dead to taunt the Avengers and we get a couple of returning dead characters, but she would be like number one on my list. If you'd asked me a year ago, I probably would have said like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see the Defenders? But I don't care now. <laughs> yeah, that Defender series was not good. Let's keep them as far away from this universe as possible. Always Jessica keep... Jones can show up. Maybe but... Jessica Jones. Maybe that's the only one. Or the best one, Iron Fist. Can he... Thanos kill Iron Fist? No, no, no one can kill <laughs> Iron Fist. He's going to Iron Fist through Thanos' chest, and that's going to be the end. Guys, if Thanos kills Iron Fist, the three people who watched Iron Fist will stand up and give applause. Matt was one of those people, and he liked Iron Fist. Sure did. Matt? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You hate Iron Man 3 and you like Incredible Hulk. I think I'm still coming out ahead here. I don't necessarily hate either movie, and I don't necessarily <laughs> love either movie. I'm somewhere in between those concepts, Matt, but Iron Fist is terrible. Iron Fist was the first categorically bad thing the MCU has done. The second being the Inhumans. Good old Jeff Loeb. That's down to that showrunner. That's down to Scott Buck fucking everything up. Oh yeah, he did both of those, didn't he? <laughs> but Matt, I made fun of you enough. Let's shame Brian real quick for not having watched Agent Carter. I also haven't watched Agent Carter. Get out of here. What is wrong with you two? <laughs> time. It takes more time and 
We're getting older. Have you seen the entirety of the season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., both of you? Seasons one through three, and by the end of three, I was just sick of that uh, that guy that keeps dying and coming back. That agent guy. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Ward. his name. Ward, yeah. As soon as I saw Ward come back over and over, I was done. I've seen Matt? one and a half seasons of Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, then, if you've done that kind of investment, you can put the investment into Agent Carter. Yeah, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> That's a fair assessment. Yeah, but Agent Carter was on a channel I didn't have, and, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on a channel I had. So. Well, it's good that I work for a company that allows me to get discounts on such things as movies and TV shows, so I, I can send you season one and season two. Well, I used to work at that company, and I didn't take advantage of that. If you will notice, none of the burning questions concern characters who are going to die, because we are about to do something incredibly gruesome. We are going to do an Avengers Deadpool. No, Josh Brolin will... Okay, Josh Brolin will be involved in this, but not as Cable. Ryan Reynolds will not be involved. We are going to talk about characters who are potentially going to die. And what we have decided to do is it is going to be a civil war of our own, so to speak, as Brian and I are going to match Deadpool wits with Ben and Matt. And you, Matt Waters, have proposed a bet. Yes. If we win this, you will publicly acknowledge that Iron Man 3 is a masterpiece, and you will put it into your Hall of Fame regardless of what your findings are on that episode. Wow. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. All right, so this is what this is what Brian and I are going to do. If we win, then you two have to do a podcast about Catwoman. Okay. And it has to be at least 45 minutes. Matt, can we cheat and do Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to review the 2004 classic Catwoman. I was going to say do live commentary and then record it. No, but that might actually be fun. I, yeah, I don't want that to... would be accidental. Oh, okay. I, okay. We can't riff track it. Let's, okay. let's not have fun with Catwoman ever again. Okay. Okay. You guys would put Iron Man 3 into your, your Hall of Fame, the Superhero Pantheon. You can put an asterisk next to it if you're a coward. And <laughs> if you win, we will review Catwoman. So I've never be... seen Catwoman. I haven't either. It will be a fun surprise for us both. I think we should do that one in person, Matt. Okay. We'll do it in person. <laughs> you see yeah. what I did, Brian? I, I'm going to put everybody through the shame of seeing this movie is it like the ring I broke is it like the like, ring like when you see it you have to make other people see it or you will die like is that what's happening here kind of it's, it's pretty terrible okay. yeah, just watch it get... when you're menstruating <laughs> that's a reference to the book <laughs> just for the record to give you some perspective the highest movie that we have ever ranked has been Civil War we gave that an 89 out of a 100 Catwoman achieved a score of 5 out of 100 and Iron Man 3 will get whatever low score you give it and still make it into the Pantheon. <laughs> I don't care if it gets one out of a hundred, you are putting it in the Pantheon if we win. Alright, that, then it's settled. I think we should just keep it simple and do it by the, just sheer numbers. Okay. I think that'll be easiest. And if there's a tie... What are, we, what are we counting as dead? Yeah, because I have a strong theory that the end of this movie will make Tony's vision of, you know, in Age of Ultron, he saw them all dead. I think that may come to pass, and then the Time Stone makes it all go away. So I, I think it's who doesn't live after these two movies. Who, who is dead after both of them? We'll stick to the one movie. Okay. Whoever's dead, officially listed dead, will count for the bet. Alright, and here's what happens if, if there is a tie. We have to put Iron Man 3 in the superhero pantheon, and you guys have to review Catwoman. So if it's a tie, we both lose. You really want us to see Catwoman, don't you? That way we don't have to go to, like, a tiebreaker and make it all complicated. Lightning both, round. If we win, like we the, get your apartment. Sorry, go on. <laughs> so this is like friends. Is that yes. what you're saying? That's what I was going for there, yes. Chanandler Bong. <laughs> Miss Chanandler Bong. Alright, do you guys, Matt and Ben, do you want the first pick 
or do you want the next two? Ben, I'm going to leave yep. this decision in your hands. I think it's more valuable to have two and three because I think there's there's two very obvious picks and we just snatch up the other one. Sure, okay. We will defer to you. You can you can go first. All right, Brian, I feel pretty confident about this because we have seen him being basically destroyed by Thanos in the trailers. It is so very well positioned for Vision to die. So, Brian, if you are in agreement, that is our first pick. Yes, that's our first pick. And I, I even thought that at the end of Thor Ragnarok, we would get a, a maybe an after credit scene of just Vision getting ripped apart and then the Mind Gem or whatever just being ripped out of him. And that's the setup for Infinity War. But wait, we didn't get that. I hope it's going to happen in this movie because that's pretty much what has to happen. All right, Matt and Ben. I don't think I agree with that. You let them play their game. We're going to win. <laughs> I feel we got three choices now. The big two uh-huh. and Loki. I was going to pick Loki. So You're going to pick Loki. So Loki's our second pick. I think Loki has had a long storied time in the MCU. He keeps coming back. And at some point, they're going to have to stop leaning on that crutch. And I think he is going to hand over the Tesseract to Thanos. Think that he has saved himself only to be murdered anyway. So Ben, do you want to take our second pick? The third overall pick in the Deadpool. I'm going to say Captain America. Okay. I don't think he makes out of this movie. I think it's going to be a big, big shock thing is that one of the main two is not going to make out of these movies. And I feel like all this talk of Chris Evans retiring after Avengers 4 is really more retiring after Avengers 3, potentially. That's true. They're saying everyone's in both movies, but they could very well be hiding some deaths from this one. And, you know, we've got Bucky and Falcon in play who have both picked up that mantle in the comics. So... That would make sense. All right, Brian, they actually left one of our top three in the board. So this is this is good for us, I think. We got to take it. We got to take it. We're taking Thor. We're taking Thor. Fuck. <laughs> I feel really confident that Thor is going to die in this movie. I have this pitch of Thanos kills a god to show just how powerful he is. And then, you know, obviously Ragnarok was such a success that you'd think there'd have to be a sequel. And my pitch would be that basically Valkyrie goes to Valhalla. Thor is drinking with all the dead Asgardians. He's happy. And then she's like, come on, you're coming with me. And then off they go to do some other crazy adventure. But yeah, I would have picked him next. Me personally, it's the fact that they made three Thor movies and I don't think they should make any more Thor movies unless they put (laughs) Thor with the Guardians or something. He's kind of like his arc is done. I think you have to kill one of the Avengers in number three. And I think they're going to wait till four to kill both Captain America and Iron Man. I think Thor, as far as... Because it is an important death and the fact that the Russos have mentioned him being such a prominent part of this story makes me think that he's going to die in this one because it's kind of a logical conclusion. If he's such a big part of the third Avengers movie, it makes sense for him to be the one that dies at the end of it and be kind of the shocking death to end things. What's your third pick then? Okay, so we're going with side characters that people kind of forget about, right? So we're going with Senator Ross <laughs> and Maria Hill. Are we in agreement? Yes. Okay. Those seem like characters that have been there for a while, and we can easily see them go. And I can easily see Thanos laughing at Senator Ross for trying to be diplomatic and blah blah blah, and just kills him for being an asshole. See, I think they've colluded ahead of time, and we probably should have done that, but... We probably should have done that. We spent two hours talking about Black Panther. Priorities. (laughs) I'm gonna let you go for it, because I went for the last one. I'm just gonna swing wild, and put some faith in the idea of this secret invasion and I'm going to say Black Widow even though there are such heavy rumours that she's getting a solo movie and and say that you know she dies but it turns out that wasn't the real Black Widow or the movie set in the past either way so let's let's recap our our Deadpool so our first pick was Vision our second pick was Thor 
and we have Maria Hill, and we have Secretary Maria. Thaddeus Ross. Is he a senator now? I thought he was Secretary, Secretary of, of State. He's, yes. Oh, I thought he was a senator. Okay. Either Secretary way. Thaddeus Ross. He's still an asshole. And we have and Loki. Have? We have Loki, Captain America, Black Widow, and choose for me, Matt. No, fuck you. <laughs> no, 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 I was gonna. Okay, I'm gonna say the Collector. Okay, that makes sense. He's got an Infinity Stone. Thanos wants them. Kevin Feige wants the Grandmaster and the Collector to share screen time, but I think he's probably toast. All right. Okay, so we're doing the last two. Okay, I got on the list. We got Wong and Hawkeye left. Do you want to switch Hawkeye with Fury? Yes, I do want to switch Hawkeye with Fury. So we're going with Wong, Doctor Strange's trusty sidekick. Because I can easily see him getting uh, knocked out, and then, you know, um, that's going to cause some trouble for uh, Doctor Strange. And then we're going to go with Nick Fury, so... Okay. I think you're dead wrong on Wong, because I think Doctor Strange is getting a sequel, and there's a small cast for that, and the Ancient One is gone, and Christine wasn't amazing, and Strange needs someone to talk to, so I think Wong is going to survive, personally. Fury, though, probably. I guess we can talk openly now because you've committed to your six, your six picks. I think Hawkeye's so obvious he's not going to die, you know? Cause yeah, Hawkeye, Hawkeye is not dying in this movie. They, they've um, played so heavily into the idea that he would die before that doing it again and then have him actually die would just be such a kick in the balls. I've got three suggestions for you. Okay. Nebula. Nebula, Nebula okay. Heimdall. Okay. And as our cheap pick, one, and I'll let you pick at random, one of the Black Order. <laughs> Yeah, outside the box would be Thanos himself. Allegedly two movies about Thanos, I guess quite a a wild swing would be Thanos. I like both Nebula and Heimdall. I feel at least one of the Black Order would have to die. I wouldn't be able to tell you which. I say we go with Nebula and Heimdall. You go Nebula and Heimdall, even though, like, my only issue with picking both of those is Heimdall might be the person who takes the Asgardians away to protect them. Like, it's either either him or it's Valkyrie who take them away to keep them safe. I think Idris Elba is so sick of being in Marvel movies that he's out of there, and Valkyrie was such a smash hit that, yeah, she... What better way to re-ingratiate herself with her people that she left behind than to shepherd them to... New Asgard or whatever. Nebula and Heimdall? Okay, no, fuck it, yeah. Okay, so Loki, Cap, Black Widow, The Collector, Nebula and Heimdall versus Vision, Thor, Thaddeus Ross, Maria Hill, Wong, Nick Fury. So what, whoever gets the most of their six wins? Yeah. Pretty yep, much. Whoever yep. gets the most wins. All right. Well, there's hope, a tie, we both lose. I hope you are looking forward to putting Iron Man 3 in the Hall of Fame. And we are so excited for you to watch Catwoman. We can barely stand it. Do you want to end it with your your performance thing? Sure. Okay, so coming up, we have our 10-year retrospective episode looking back on the entire MCU. Over all of our episodes, we've been cultivating a list that we call the All Marvel List. Every film, we can nominate someone who we think is giving one of the best performances in the entire MCU. If a character is nominated and then we feel they outdo themselves later, they can replace that pick. If we feel no one is good in that movie, we can save a pick. And we have ended up with 18 so far. We thought it would be fun to get to a nice round 20 by each getting one uncontested pick, which we will make on that 10th anniversary episode. But we wanted to run the list by you guys and take some pictures on who you might suggest that might be missing from our list from the entire MCU. So the list as it stands now. Sam Rockwell from Iron Man 2. 
Hayley Atwell from Captain America 1, Mark Ruffalo from The Avengers, Scarlett Johansson from The Avengers, Tom Hiddleston from The Avengers, Ben Kingsley from Iron Man 3, Samuel L. Jackson from The Winter Soldier, in a controversial five-way tie, The Guardians of the Galaxy from Guardians of the Galaxy, Michael Peña from Ant-Man, Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. from Civil War, Michael Rooker from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Tom Holland and Michael Keaton from Spider-Man Homecoming, Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok, and Letitia Wright, Michael B. Jordan, and Danai Guerrera from Black Panther. Is there anyone that you guys think is missing from that list that absolutely needs to be acknowledged as giving some of the best acting performance in the entire MCU? Brian, is there anyone for you? I want to say Robert Redford, but that scene, I don't know, because I, I really like him in that. He's very subtle, but it's one movie, and he's kind of in like a few like settings. He's always in the suit, but... I just really thought he was really evil in that movie, <laughs> like an evil bastard kind of, kind of in that movie. So I really like him a lot. I, look, I could probably make a pretty solid argument for Mark Ruffalo in Thor Ragnarok. I'm not sure if he's better in that than he is in Avengers. But, but that, that would do us no good because he would take his own pick. We need someone someone who is not on that list anywhere. I can't really think of anyone. I know we've been hovering around stuff like uh, Winston Duke, Jeremy Renner. You've got Paul Bettany that you really like, Matt. I oh, think Paul Bettany's a sleeper pick because of all of his work as Jarvis and then while he's in the movie for like eight minutes he's actually pretty good as Vision in Age of Ultron it's messy like how he's created and everything and he shows up way too late but it's a pretty good acting performance I think but I'm not sure if Paul Bettany is good individually in any one movie I think it's more the kind of the if you compile everything together then I think he's really good but yeah. I don't necessarily watch one movie I'm like oh Paul Bettany was so great kind of feel the same way about Jeremy Rettner Jeremy Rettner Jeremy Renner my personal favorite performance of his is actually in Civil of a war because I think he is quippy and even though he doesn't get that much to do I think he's really entertaining and he obviously doesn't get a whole lot to do in Thor or the Avengers uh, Avengers 2 the farm scene is a bit of a slog for, for Brian and I and I don't know I, I just don't think either one necessarily is good enough in any one movie we did were, you mention Clark Gregg? We didn't. Uh, I think he's underrated in Avengers. He is. He's uh, very good there. And it, is, it is the first movie that I think both of us are very high on his performance, though. I think we're both quite low on his three previous roles. Yeah, you forget <laughs> he was kind of shaky before he became this, this lovely character. Ben is attempting to, what I think, break the rules and get Kevin Feige in there. Do you think that should count? No! No, 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 no. There you go, Ben. Damn it. You cannot have Kevin Feige. Okay, we will take this advice into consideration and we will, uh, we will round out that list on our 10-year anniversary episode, which is coming soon. All right, I think that is pretty much it. As far as this show goes, I think we are very much excited for Avengers Infinity War. There is so much hype surrounding this movie. Hopefully you did not find the celebrity Deadpool or the Avengers Deadpool ghoulish but it's going to be fun, and I'm really looking forward to the movie and seeing who wins. How am I, I not going to be able to text Matt for four days once I find out if we won the Deadpool or not? Well, I'll be in Germany, so I'm not going to be looking at my phone anyway. So Yeah, but then oh, when I, I get know. off the plane. The second I get off the plane, I'll just have to ignore your text. Again, I just want to reiterate, this for me is such a blank slate. I This is the most excited I think I've been. I've been super hyped for these movies before. Like These trailers drop, and I just lose my mind every time. Even the ones that turn out to not 
be as good as they look from the trailers but this one because of the mystery factor where i a lot of times you can build a mental map of how you think the film is going to play out and i cannot do that here at all i know we're getting this big wakanda scene i know we're getting initially thanos in new york and then we're going to get thanos on another planet with star lord and tony stark and these people i have no idea what else is going to happen and I'm, I'm just super excited to see how it plays out good bad or in between there's been a lot of footage i feel like that's been released but i still don't have a sense of the overall arc and i think that's a good thing i think that's what trailers should be doing brian any final thoughts all i know is, is that i'm gonna be wearing the same shirt that i wore for the avengers it was like this avengers shirt that came out and then i wore it for every avengers movie after that i think i wore it for civil war as well i'll be wearing it for this one it's my tradition and uh, i can't wait man and i'm gonna be there i remember it used to be at midnight back in the day 10 years ago now it's eight o'clock shows which is a lot nicer and uh, <laughs> It's good. It's good to be with like people that you know that are marks like you that just love the movies and stuff. And it's going to be an awesome crowd, and I can't wait. And I'm probably going to lose my shit a couple times, and I might just pass it on the floor. And the good thing is, Brian and I will be seeing it at about the same time, so we'll be furiously DMing each other in anger or in celebration about what's happening. Ben, any final thoughts? I'm kind of stunned that like ten years ago I came out of Iron Man and was like so stupidly excited that they managed to get Nick Fury to be played by Samuel L. Jackson. I could not have predicted that we'd be sat here right now about to watch all of these characters interacting with characters who you never thought were going to be adapted to the screen. No matter what happens in this movie, what Marvel have done is one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen in cinema. We can argue the merits of whether or not any of the movies are all-time greats or whether or not they're just kind of like very good superhero movies, but just the level of dedication and planning and structure that have gone into these 18 now going on 19 movies is astounding and i'm so happy that i've got to see all of these come out in cinemas and be there on day one for pretty much all of them to just experience the crowd and uh, the goodwill that goes into these films the nice thing about both of our projects is, is that once the Avengers comes out, we will both be doing individual reviews. Matt and Ben will be on the Enter the World feed. We will be on the Pro Wrestling Ponderings feed. Our Avengers episode is probably going to come out the Monday after the movie comes out. We're going to get it out as quickly as we can, furiously editing and furiously putting that together. And then Matt and Ben, I'm not sure what you guys are going to be doing, but we will immediately be going into Ryan Reynolds' month to talk about and build up to Deadpool 2, which is now coming out in the middle of May at the end of June instead of the end of June, so it's all screwed up, but we will be reviewing all four of the wonderful Ryan Reynolds superhero movies, so we very much have that to look forward to, and maybe we will even do another crossover soon after so that we can lord our victory over you guys. Maybe. Look out for Taika Waititi in Green Lantern. Oh, I did not notice that. Brian, yeah. that's something we gotta look out for. Yeah. I remember that, and I was just like, I can't believe that guy went from the worst freaking superhero movie <laughs> I've ever seen to being the director of one of the most funniest, so yeah. good for that guy, and good for him making the right career decision, and Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Hey, one out of four ain't bad. I agree, the beginning of X-Men Origins Wolverine is his bet, no. So, <laughs> we are planning to release this preview episode one week before the movie comes out, so that'll be the 20th of April, our next full episode will be black panther that will drop the following wednesday the week after that will be our 10-year retrospective episode so that will be on the 10th anniversary of iron man uh, which is the 2nd of may and then we will have our infinity war review coming out on the original u.s release date of the 4th of may so one week after it 
releases. But hey, needs must. And you can find all of that at entertherealworld.com. Mike Thomas, the founder of that site, is hoping to have a bunch of MCU-related content on that site. I'm sure several other people on this podcast will probably contribute to that. You can also find our stuff at soundcloud.com slash Mike and Matt. We're available everywhere, really, so... Go check it out. We do not have an email address like you guys do. That's way more professional. Guys, I really want to thank you for doing this. And I have to tell you, I'm so looking forward to when we do the crossover episode in five years, when we talk about the 10-year anniversary of the DCEU. 